With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Cole Huff is in the building. Good friend of the program is back because he enjoys talking about gambling as much as I do and talking about odds as much as I do. And there is no better time to talk about preseason MVP odds and preseason awards odds than there is right now. So Cole and I are going to break down preseason odds for MVP, preseason odds for defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, most improved player, sixth man of the year. We're not going to get into coach of the year because I haven't, I've seen odds, but like I haven't quite seen odds as always. These odds are provided by BetMGM, the official sportsbook sponsor of The Athletic. But first, let's introduce Cole. You guys know him. He's been on the show before. What's going on, man? What's going on? If I'm not mistaken, this is round three for me. Round it might three. be four. It might be four. And if it's four, um, I'm just blanking on one. But as always, glad to be back. Um, always good to talk some basketball. It's not like it ever stops, like what we were just uh, <laughs> we were just talking about before we went live. It's just uh, it's just part of our day to day lives at this point. Three sixty five. So, um, but but always good to come on and speak with you and talk some betting, talk some some predictions that we're probably going to be wrong on. And uh, yeah. Before we do that, I realized I didn't prep you for this, but I just talked about this with Adam Spinella on the last podcast. And I think it could be interesting to get your perspective. So Mark Cuban raised the idea of expanding the NBA draft to four rounds, basically as an inducement for teams to try and win the in-season tournament. You were like, on the edge to where like if the round was four, if the draft was four rounds, like you would have been a pretty real draft prospect at that point. Uh, you played in the G league for a year. What would you be in favor of that? Like, would you be in favor of there being a four round draft? Would you be, do you think it's better for players to have the freedom to sign with who they want? Yeah. And then I, I also think, you know, just the opportunity to bring in more people and have them compete for a spot on the, uh, whatever on the summer league roster on the, you know, getting by the training camp. I don't know how real um, it would be if the rosters were still at 15 or whatever it is to, to bring in two more rounds of draft picks. If you're not, you know I mean? Like the, the, you already have your roster guys, you have your top one, your top two picks or whatever. So it would seem like a long shot, but uh, I'm all, I'm all in favor of opportunity. Like if you, if you have a chance to, to, to turn some heads, you know, and you, and you get that shot, I'm all for it. Um, I wonder if that would uh, – I know that there's been recent talk about some expansion um, in the NBA, so I wonder, like, if that would even be a realistic thing, uh, you know, adding more picks and stuff like that. That would be – I think that would be pretty cool, but I, I don't know how much it would actually change, like, you know, that that third and fourth round picks uh, – job or where they're going to end up at the end of the day i think it would just give them a another opportunity yeah i think i agree like i I don't know how much it would change the draft like i don't know how much it would change like team building at all the thing Mm -hmm. that it would change almost is like 
you would need to expand the G League and you'd need to like make it so that every team has an affiliate. Like you'd have to make it a true minor league system. And like, if I remember correctly, you played for Greensboro, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Greensboro, like Charlotte has like a pretty close relationship with Greensboro in terms of their G League affiliate. Like they send guys up and down pretty regularly in terms of like having rostered guys down. And, you know, it's not like a situation where they're, you know, just kind of treating the G League team like it's a write-off. Right. So, like, I, I wonder if that's – if you're going to do th- this draft expansion idea, I feel strongly like you would need to make every team basically a true minor league affiliate and not kind of like similar – even more uh, extreme than how Greensboro used it than, you know, in, instead of just like doing what they do now and then adding two rounds. I feel like that would just be – uh, I feel like that'd be even more harmful to the players, to be honest. A waste in a way, yeah. They'd probably miss out on, you know, their preferred jobs overseas. Like they would lose those to other people that are that are more ready to go over there immediately, you know, and ready to negotiate. So, I, yeah, I, I see that point as well. Are there not? Um, I've been out the loop, but are there not thirty-two or thirty NBA G League teams now? Is it like twenty-seven, twenty-eight? So I know there they brought are... in the team from Mexico. Yeah, like there are 30, 30 or 31. I can't remember which one. Okay. But not every team has like a direct affiliate, like, unless like Portland picked up uh, a direct affiliate recently. Okay. And Denver, I think Denver is going to get or like just gets one last year or this year. Does New Orleans have one, one now? They didn't have one when I was in the G League. Those guys I played th- with us. think that they do. Let me see here. G League. Just in general, while we're talking here, um, current teams. Let's see here. Yeah, does Portland have one? Uh, no, Portland doesn't have one. New Orleans has Birmingham, which just got in okay. there. That's new. Um, and then it looks like Denver. Denver, no, Denver picked up Grand Rapids. So they still they have one now. So really, it might be Portland. Portland might be the last holdout here in terms okay. of uh, direct affiliates at this point, which is uh, come on, Portland. Yeah, I, I would I would like to see Portland get its uh, get its shit together and get a G League team. But I'm, I'm actually going to be a lot more. I'm I'm going to pay a lot more attention to the G League this year just because I'm. I mean, I live in, in Vegas and we have the G League Ignite here now. Uh, oh yeah, to get to some games and then do some writing and stuff. Yeah. You're going to have to head down there. That'll be great. Mm-hmm. There's some good, they have some good fun players this year, but we're not here to talk about the G league uh, as not. much as we just started for five minutes on the league that Cole used to play in because let's be real here. Cole, former professional basketball player. Important to note that I feel, I feel like you can't let the people forget, right? Cole. <laughs> it, it's like, it's, it's weird when you say that because like, I think I slight myself because I wanted to play in the NBA and like, that's what pro is to us growing up. But yeah, but I mean, yeah, I played overseas. I played in the G league. I was a pro. So motherfucker, you played professional it. basketball, dude. Like, come on basketball. Yeah. Get you with, like, man, you played, you played overseas for a year too. Didn't you? I played for two years. Yep. Two years. Yeah. Like two years, yeah. think about how goddamn good you have to be to play pro basketball. Like it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. The le- like, think about how many great college players you played with that didn't play professional basketball. Oh my god, so many, so many that I, I like went away from college feeling like, how are they not in the NBA? Like, this is a crazy league. It's, it's hard to get a job in the NBA. 
Who's who's the one that stands out most to you? That it's just like, how did that guy not play in the NBA? Ah, uh, okay. Let me think. Um, there were some guys in the Mountain West, like uh, Cameron Barristow. I think he actually maybe he had this. Yeah, this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. He's in Australia now. Yeah, um, I think he's just about to retire. To be honest. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, guys like that. Um, I played against Colton Iverson. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. He got he drafted. Did. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just he never some he never played examples. in the NBA though. That's 100 percent right. Okay, just a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of guys like that. Um, even guys on my own team. Like when I was at Nevada, I played with uh, Deontay Burton and Malik Story. Yeah, uh, guys are just good. Like really good college players. It's hard to get a. It's hard to get one of those jerseys in the NBA. Really hard. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's the the level to which you have to be so good to be a professional basketball player is just yeah. it it like it dumbfounds me every time that I talk about it. But now we're going to go from talking about like the edge of the league to the absolute top of the league, which like for as much as we just talked about like how hard it is to get to the NBA, like who is the best player you've ever played even just like pickup with? Um Tony Snell uh comes to mind. Uh Southern Southern California guy. We we've worked out together and stuff like that. Uh I've never played against in the game against Kyle Kuzma, but, you know, training, working out one-on-one stuff like that. Uh, I played against Buddy Heald, even though he wasn't my assignment. Obviously he was like a two. Um, I was more of a four. He he was really, really good. Chris Dunn, um, man. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen Buddy play pickup before, like, you know, right in front of my face. He doesn't miss us. Yeah. 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 Like when you have the confidence and the green light, like, and you're that good, it, it's hard to stop dudes like that. Yeah, I, like I remember going down to UCLA and he, it was like him, Kevin Durant, uh, you know, maybe like Bobby Brown who played in the NBA for a little while. Like there, there were, there was like maybe seven or eight NBA guys there, some UCLA guys there. Mm-hmm. And Buddy Heald was like clearly like the second best player behind Kevin Durant. And every time he came down, it was just curtains. Like it was just like, oh no, this is going in. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. If he gets even like five inches of space to get his shot off, the ball is going in. Like that is, it's and, just and crazy. Like, that's every. That's most. That's most people in the NBA, and like a, a lot of people don't don't really understand that unless they're around it. But like the guys who are just clinging on to NBA roster spots will, you know. They'll destroy any any non-professional basketball player in any setting. Like it's it's kind of comical, but yeah, you know. I remember uh, I was talking to Jim Root, who uh, is a writer with the Three Man Weave and does some stuff for Field of Sixty Eight and guys, uh, you know, companies like that. He and the Three Man Weave guys they play pick a they play in like a men's league or something like that. And one of them went to high school with Jared Brownridge, who I think is the all-time leading scorer in the WCC. He averaged like 16 points a game in the G League last year. He went to Santa Clara. He was okay. he's like a ridiculous shooter. And they just like knew Jared and they were like, "Hey, we need an extra for a pickup tonight cuz Jim as some people know tore his ACL recently." And they picked up Jared Brownridge. And for the first half, Jared like apparently just, you know, he's like, "Okay, I'm going to shoot the ball when I get it." And I'm not going to try and do too much. And they were down like, you know, 
they were up like one or two at halftime apparently and then jared like in the huddle at halftime goes hey guys like do you mind if i shoot a little bit more this half and like and everyone in the huddle was just like can you please do that like just just go like right. we, we want to win just do this and apparently he dropped like 30 in the second half like it was just nothing it was probably just so easy for him too. like yeah. you know what? i'll just flip this switch right quick and uh don't worry guys we'll we'll win this game you know like yeah it, it, it's ridiculous how good professional nba players are like g league whatever you want to say it, it's and that's not a pat on my own back because i know you you claim i was a professional and stuff so but it, it, <laughs> it's it's really it's really hard it's really hard man it's insane okay let's talk about the highest levels of the nba and that's where i wanted to transition to because like these guys i, I mean i remember i've talked a lot about seeing like kevin durant play pickup a few times and it's just like laughable what he can do when guys are going like 80%. That's when you like see the most. I feel like when guys are going 80%, like there's just literally nothing you can do defensively to stop Kevin Durant, unless you're playing absolutely a thousand percent as hard as you can. And even then, like you don't really have a chance, uh, but let's talk about MVP. Kevin Durant right now is the fourth favorite for MVP. Again, these odds are courtesy of bet MGM. Luka Doncic is four to one. Joel Embiid is six to one. Giannis Antetokounmpo is 13 to 2. Kevin Durant 17 to 2. Nikola Jokic 9 to 1. Jason Tatum 12 to 1. John Morant 14 to 1. Stephen Curry 14 to 1. LeBron James, Devin Booker, Kawhi Leonard 25 to 1. Trey Young, Zion Williamson 30 to 1. Uh, and then Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, Paul George all at 50 to 1. Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell 66 to 1. And I think that that's worth cutting it there uh before we get into like favorite pick what do you look for when trying to bet on a preseason award like this like if you're trying to predict who's going to win mvp what what kind of factors are you considering first i'm going to look at availability like there's a bunch of names yeah. on that list that you, you just ran off where i'm like like zion would be one where i'm like we've seen how good zion is with just two years of, of NBA experience. And like, if the Pelicans are as good as they're projected to be, and they can build off of what happened last year. And you would imagine Zion, if healthy is going to be the Zion, if not better than what we're used to seeing, like he's absolutely right. an MVP candidate, but then you get into the whole thing where it's like, okay, how many, you know, how many rest days is he having? How banged up is he going to be? How many second game of a back to back is he going to sit? So and then you end up with a number where he plays 60 out of 82 games. And it's like, okay, well, right. is that enough? Um, I also kind of look for the narratives as well. Like, like in what world would I, – I don't know what number you ended up getting to with Nikola Jokic, but, like, I feel like yeah, his yeah, odds yeah. Are, are just because he's already won it twice that people aren't betting he's going to win it a third time. Spit, like, that would, that would be pretty uh, – I think Larry yeah. Larry Bird might have been the only one to do that, or the 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 last one to do it, but it like it will cause an uproar because people already didn't want to give him the second one, you know. So I look for things yeah. like that. And Embiid, Embiid has been close. Uh, maybe it's like okay, well it's 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 his time, kind of like how James Harden was so close for so many years, um, and then he just put up another another great season, and they're like, all right, well it's, it's his time now. So just narratives, uh, injuries slash availability. Um, and then obviously if, if the team is, is going to be good, obviously, you know, I think, uh, I don't, can I get into my pick now or did you want to, 
Well, let, let's talk a little bit about because uh, let's talk a little bit about the like okay. things that go into this because I think the narrative for years I kind of did this based off of like narrative right and like what I perceived the narrative to be going into the year and I said the exact same things you did about Nikola Jokic last year I thought man it was like pulling teeth to get people to give Nikola Jokic the MVP last year in, in 2021. And there's no way they're going to do it again. Right. And then the voters did it again, which like genuinely surprised me because I didn't think it was like a surefire thing that he was the best player in the league last year and they just did it. Uh, So that's intriguing to me. And it's, I I don't know if I'm like overreacting to that piece of evidence that I have now that says maybe voters are not as uh, narratively conscious in today's era than they have been previously. Now that we have access to all these crazy advanced numbers, now that we have access to all of this information, maybe the voting body. And I know the voting body has changed a little bit to where they consider all of these things, but like maybe, maybe that is a little bit less valuable, but I I tend not to think of it that way. Still like in my brain, I feel like the narrative does matter. And in that vein, like I, I just really find it hard to believe they're going to give Nikola Jokic a third MVP. So like him at nine to one, like that, that kind of knocks it out for me. Giannis, I think they would consider giving a third MVP too, because Giannis now has won a title, best player on a title team, finals MVP. Uh, if he would go out and average 30, 12 and seven or something like that and be incredible, like I think they'd really consider it. Uh, in terms of guys that like I'm kind of, I don't even know if I'm like eliminating right now that we've talked about. Like, I think all three of the top three are real. I worry a little bit about whether or not the uh, the voters will give the award to Kevin Durant. Like, I, mm. I just don't know. I, like, look, I, I think that people on this podcast know I'm an enormous Kevin Durant fan and really think that he kind of gets the shaft by the media pretty regularly, unfortunately. But I think that, I just, I don't know. Like if it, if it's close, like I feel like he's probably going to get the short end of it again. Uh, Jason Tatum, John Morant, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Devin Booker, Kawhi, like all, all these guys I think are going to be fine in terms of like the narrative. You mentioned injury history. Joel Embiid, I think is a question mark with injury history. Um, John Morant, I think is a question mark. Like he tends to miss, it seems like 15 games, 20 games mm-hmm. a year. And I think it's pretty hard to win MVP when you do that. Uh, LeBron James might just be a guy that kind of sits out some games here and there. Kawhi Leonard might be a guy that sits out some games here and there. Zion, Anthony Davis. Um, yeah, I think that's as far as we went down in terms of injury questions, but like, I think Dame, it, it's hard. Dame maybe sits a few games here and there, although I don't know yeah. if he's going to be able to given that roster, right. like, if they're going to try and compete for the playoffs, he probably needs to play every game. Um, the other thing I look for now, if I'm not just betting the top of the ticket, if I was to bet, I am also looking for significant upside. Like, is there a story you can tell yourself where a player that you think is phenomenal can really truly like explode uh damian lillard i think is an interesting example like if he leads portland to a 48 win season or a 50 win season or something like that which i don't really think is going to happen but like 
if he leads that team to a 50 win season, he is going to be firmly in the MVP mix. Just period point blank. Uh, if a guy hits a hundred percent of his potential outcome and leads his team to a hundred percent of their potential outcome, is that guy in the MVP race? Uh, in the case of someone like Carl Towns, I don't think he is. Like I, I just would be completely stunned given the presence of Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards there. Like a hundred percent of Carl Towns, I don't think is in the MVP race. Um, but Damian Lillard, a hundred percent of Damian Lillard, like might be in the MVP race. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, like LeBron James, if LeBron James leads the Lakers to a 50 win season uh, while playing 70 games because he knows that for them to make the playoffs, he has to play a ton of games. That's a real narrative push, I think, for voters. And I think that at 25 to one, that's a really high level odds pick. Uh, You know, John Morant, Stephen Curry, like all these guys, I think you can make a real case for them. So, Let's kind of talk about, first and foremost, some of the longer shots that you like. Do you see any of the longer shots on this list that make sense to you in terms of making an MVP case? I think that Dame one would be cool because we just saw it. Um, I mean, we almost saw it play out last year with DeMar DeRozan and how he kind of elevated that that Bulls team. I mean, eventually – um, they kind of ran out of gas with, with bad injury luck to Lonzo and Caruso and stuff. And, but they were like a one seed with not too much, uh, basketball left in the season, maybe a month or two left. I don't know. They were doing really well. And I think the hundred percent that you're talking about of DeMar DeRozan that we got, um, would be the perfect example for someone like Damian Lillard. Um, I don't know if, if, um, I think he has the same odds as Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell just walks on to a new team, um, but there's definitely a narrative like mm-hmm. he's the missing piece. He's going to be the leading scorer. Um, you know, if Cleveland finishes as a, a four seed or, or something like that, you know, they have like a, a New York Knicks type of season of 20, whatever, the 2021. Like there, I, I feel like there's going to be noise around there too. Um, but ultimately knowing, knowing that I would personally bet on with, with those type of super long shot odds, um, I guess I would do Jokic again. Um, we, we touched on Kevin Durant because there's, there's a world where Brooklyn internally like gets it together and they get it together internally and they're really freaking good on the court because they have Kevin Durant. They have Ben Simmons. If he's healthy, they have all these incredible players and they, they're a one or a two seat. And like, if that happens, Kevin Durant, it's likely averaging almost 30 points and is an MVP candidate like he is every year he's healthy so um i think the, i think those two um Jokic and kevin durant would be the non uh the ones that i would vote on that aren't the, the obvious one that we're going to get to in a little bit so the, the, i kind of mentioned the two that stand out to me and the, the the things you look for here are the same things you look for in any gambling conversation, right? It's variance. Like you're, you're looking for variance on some level in order to make like big swings. Mm-hmm. And I think Damian Lillard has a high degree of variance, which increases his odds a bit on the back end. Like there's a chance Damian Lillard just doesn't have a great, or he'll have a great year if he plays, but like there's a chance that like he's not in the MVP race at all. Right. But I feel like if he leads Portland to a good year, he will firmly be in the conversation. So yeah. like, 66 to one. That's not a bad outcome. I don't think 
I don't know. Like Jimmy Butler is another guy that just tends to miss games, but like it feels like nobody's talking about Miami again. If he didn't miss games, like I could see a world. I probably wouldn't pick him for this, but LeBron is the other one that like really stands out to me. I'm pretty sure LeBron is not going to play like more than let's say, you know, 65 games, even though like he's played 67, 45, 56, the last three years in LA uh, hasn't played more than 67 in a game since he left Cleveland. If he feels like he has to get to 70 games in order for the cat, in order for the Lakers to have a chance to make the playoffs, because this roster is kind of a mess, especially after what we saw last year with Russell Westbrook. If Russell Westbrook is still on this roster heading into the season, if the Lakers somehow were to win 50 games and if LeBron and Anthony Davis stay healthy, I don't think that is like an impossible outcome. I think there is a world where LeBron would be firmly in the discussion for MVP and 25 to one is a very large number for LeBron. Like anytime you can get LeBron James at 25 to one, it feels like that's not a bad idea to me. Like LeBron James right now is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He has the ninth highest MVP odds. That feels aggressive to me. And, and you have, we, I mean, we kind of spoke about earlier. You have the narrative behind him, like in his, year whatever 21 or or 21st season age whatever averaging x amount of points i mean like even last year the lakers were were really bad last year but who knows if they snuck like a 70 or something you know you have the 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 lakers kind of bias in the media uh pushing that as well lebron is already fantastic as it is like i i don't see why that would um you know, he's going to be he's the Lakers are going to be better this year than they were last year. The question is how much and if he's more available and his production is similar. I don't know if the guy's going to average 30 points per game again. That would be pretty ridiculous. But it It'd is LeBron insane. James. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what were the odds? 25 to one. Yeah. Like you can get 25 to one on LeBron James, who averaged 30 points on a true shooting percentage of 62 last year. Uh and averaged like eight rebounds and six assists on top of it. Uh, that that feels pretty good to me. Like I, I know that I know it's not like the most popular opinion. Uh, it's a bet on LeBron, I guess, right now. But hundred percent, like that's an easy to me. That's like if things go right, that is a real value add for you potentially. Is that um, just like a? Um, is that like something you're going to the? to to bet MGM online and doing, or is that like, Oh, I have an extra 20 bucks sitting around. Like why not? You know what I mean? Or is that like something that you're, it's a, it's a decision of yours, like top of your list of priorities. Like I'm going to bet this because the odds are so good. Yeah. I would say not top of the priority list. Also, I am not allowed to gamble currently uh, with the athletics. So like I'm theoretically not allowed to put money down despite how easy it is here in Australia to bet on things. It is Mm. uh, worth noting that I am not allowed to do that. Let's clear that up. Period. (laughs) Uh, So it's worth noting that, but this would be middle of my list. I would say not top of the list for me. Uh, Let's talk about the top three, though, because I, I think that that is where we really want to get into it. So it's Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Who would who would be your MVP pick in the preseason right now? 
It would probably be Luca, um, which is it feels like an easy thing to say, and it was an easy thing to say last year around this time too. I think he was the odds on favorite, um, if I'm not mistaken. He was, um, yeah. but you know, he came into the season a little bit out of shape, a little worn down from all the basketball he's playing. Um, and he just wasn't ready to go right away, which could happen again this year. But I, I would like to think that that was a little bit of a wake up call for him. Um, and he, I mean, he looks phenomenal in Eurobasket. Uh, he looks like Luca. We know, like, he's not. Th- there's a lot of players that are regular season players. I mean, it's a regular season award, the MVP, but. He's he's the cream of the crop when it comes to the, to the NBA is what That's I'm insane. saying and yeah there's I I just feel like you know Jalen Brunson being gone the the overall hype around the Dallas Mavericks is probably a little bit um, lower than what it was last year especially considering they made the Western Conference Finals um, I just think that a lot of people are going to kind of write them off and he's going to carry them uh, a lot like how. LeBron used to carry those those Mo Williams, Daniel Gibson type of teams. Uh, I'm not saying one team is better than the other. Dallas fans don't come for me, um, but I think that I think it's going to be a big year for him. Which I mean, is, is always a big year for him. I think I think he's healthy. He puts it together uh, from the jump. Uh, he plays in enough games, and there's your MVP plus four hundred, right? Yeah. I am. So you mentioned the idea of the team being good enough. I'm a little bit worried about if the team is good enough Uh, because typically you have to win for, let's say 48. Let's say that's the magic number. That was what Nikola Jokic won last year Um, without Michael Porter Jr., without Jamal Murray for most of the season. uh, Let's say that it's like around 47, 48. I think that Dallas probably gets there. Like, I, I think they're good enough. I don't love the moves they made this offseason. Like, I'm not an enormous fan of the Christian Wood acquisition, as people know. I'm not, like, uh, an enormous fan of just the way that roster is, like, totally constructed. But it could work. Like, it could really work. And they they might be good enough, right? Uh, losing Jalen Brunson, I think, is an enormous deal for them. Obviously, finding a way to replace him as a second-side creator that can really knock down shots. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be critical for them this year, I think. Um Finding that option, I think, is going to be really key for them uh, in order to be good enough. I think Luka Doncic is going to be the best player in the NBA this season. Uh, you mentioned like coming in to the NBA season last year out of shape. He looks like not just like he's in good shape. He looks like he's in the best shape of his career right now with Slovenia. Like he looks pretty skinny. He he looks like borderline jacked. Like not not like you know cut up like most NBA players are, but For, like, by his standards, yeah, he's closing in on like toned at this point. I think is maybe <laughs> the way to put it. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but like that's, that's he's not he's like not Huka Doncic of last summer, yeah, you know? right. <laughs> so it is worth noting that I think he is in the best shape of his career, and he's going to come into the season just be ready. Like he's going to be ready to go, I think. And that's going to make him, I think, the best player in the NBA this season. It's just whether or not Dallas is good enough for the narrative to allow him to win the MVP award to me. Uh, and obviously that he stays healthy. Like if he doesn't stay healthy, then that changes things. I think there's going to be a real push for Joel Embiid this year. I think MVP. so too. Because 
I thought there was a real case for him last year. I would have voted for Giannis last year because I just thought Giannis is the best player in the NBA last year. But I think there is going to be a real push for Embiid because I thought there was a real case last year for him and he finished second the year before as well. And it's going to feel like for some people, it's time for him to get one. Now, Joel Embiid has to stay healthy, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. always going to be a big thing with him. But if he stays healthy and Dallas, you know, wins 45 games, 44 games, I think Joel Embiid has a very real case to win MVP because they're probably going to win 50 games this year. Uh, the Eastern Conference is really good, and I think it has a chance to be bundled up a little bit. But full season of James Harden, you know, hopefully Joel Embiid stays healthy. They've really kind of they got, they got better. Uh, I think that team got better. a little bit. I think the team got better. Joel Embiid at six to one, I think, is a really pretty solid odd to get him at. Look. And then beyond that, Giannis, uh, look, people know how I feel about Giannis too. Like, I, I think Giannis is, you know, up until we see what Luca could do this year. Like, I think that the crown for the best player in the NBA is Giannis's. Uh, if Luca passes him this year, we'll see what that looks like. But up until Luca passes him or up until, you know, someone like Kevin Durant stays healthy for a full season or anything like that, I, I think Giannis is the best player in the NBA. And it's never a bad idea, in my opinion, to take that guy for MVP. Because he's always going to do it on both sides of the ball, too. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, you get that with Joel Embiid also. Um, not not as much with Luka. Um, but I think that's something you, you've got to consider. I don't, I don't know, um, you know, what thought process goes into choosing uh, an MVP on the ballots for the, for the people that have picks. Um but, you know, obviously Nikola Jokic isn't like an elite defender of sorts, but when you're that good offensively and you're that good at, you know, building the team around you, like it's hard not to go in that direction. But Giannis is always, he's always going to be in, in the discussion because like you said, he's he's probably the best player in the NBA. You can make an argument for, for a few others, but at the end of the day, he he plays hard as hard as heck every night. He gives it his all. He's going to get you 30, 11, and 6 with some elite defense. He's going to guard the best yep. players. like, And that's what you're going to get like throughout the season. He doesn't He doesn't really do the whole uh, the load management stuff as much, uh, maybe from time to time. But he's – Well, what, what they do with him is they do a great job of load managing him within games. Like game, he plays yeah. like 30 minutes a night. That's Bud's thing. Because LeBron yeah. playing 37 a night. Which is smart. You just – you just don't do it in the playoffs, which I think you know they they start to they figured out over the over the years. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's he's going to be right up there too. And there's there's the Bucks were I think they finished did they finish as a three seed last year? That sounds East, right to me. I think yeah. they finished as a three. Could have been like a two, but or or three or four. But I think they lost the last game for for matchup purposes and whatnot. Um, but they had a bunch of guys miss time last year, like. Yep. Drew Holiday missed a, missed a handful of games. Chris Middleton, uh, Brooke Lopez missed basically the whole year. Like, yep. um, you, I mean, you could say if healthy with, with just about every team, but the fact that they were that good um, while missing a, a, a lot of those guys throughout the year and then obviously missing Chris Middleton in the playoffs, like there, there's, there's no reason like that couldn't be a number one or a number two seed. And if 
Giannis is Giannis, which of course he'll be honest. Like that's a that's a top three MVP finish. Whether he gets it or not is up to the voters. But yeah, and for what it's worth, Giannis missed 15 games throughout the year mm-hmm. as well. Like he just missed missed like a little stretch in December, if I remember correctly. Um, I think that they kind of like sat him here and there throughout the course. Yeah. And there was probably some year. COVID some COVID stuff. I'm sure like. Could be that. Yeah. I I don't remember off the top of my head what it was. And, you know, I don't really feel like the need to look it up as we're talking, but he he missed some games here and there. Um, I think he ended up at like 70 games played, something Mm -hmm. like that. Like he might have missed like 15 or so. Um, But yeah, like I I think the Giannis is a good one. But if I made you pick one, well, not, not one, but like what if I made you pick things that you would actually feel good betting on for MVP right now? based on you thinking that they are plus EV, what would you kind of, what would you kind of say? So basically who, who would I, who would I pick if, would if I pick? had them? Yeah. I'd probably go with Joel Embiid. Um, yeah. Do I think he's the best player in the NBA? No. Um, yeah. Narrative, you know, just missing out on MVP uh, two seasons in a row. Um, the Sixers made a lot of of good moves. Some they brought in PJ Tucker, um, they brought in Melton. Um, who else did they bring in? Montrezl Harrell recently. Who, even if he doesn't raise the uh, raise the ceiling on the in the playoffs, you know, under Doc, he's shown that you know on a nightly basis during the regular season, he has a he has a fit under under, under Doc Rivers. So, I think they're going to be good. I think they're locked for like fifty plus wins. Um, they're going to be. I mean, I guess it depends on Milwaukee and Boston as well, but they're going to be right up there with, with those two in terms of in terms of wins in the regular season. And um, Joel Embiid, if healthy, is going to be really really good again, and he's going to be really dominant. He's going to do it on both ends, and I I like those odds six and a half to one. Uh, that 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 would get my money if I had to to put money on it right now. So. I like Luca four to one. I think it's going to be hard to find Luca at better odds once the season starts. Um, I think getting him now is probably a better price than getting him 10 games into the season. Uh, and then if I wanted to sprinkle uh, a little bit on some long shots, I would say LeBron and Damian Lillard or the two 25 and 66 to one. Those two stand out to me. Okay. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about the other awards here. We're going to buzz through them quicker than we did MVP. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about Rookie of the Year with Cole Huff here. Cole, we've got odds for Rookie of the Year again from BetMGM. Paulo Bancaro, two to one. Keegan Murray, five to one. Jaden Ivey, 11 to two. Jabari Smith, six to one. Ben Matherin, 10 to one. Shaden Sharp, 20 to one. Dyson Daniels, 20 to one. Johnny Davis, 25 to one. Oshai Baji, Usman Jang, Jalen Williams, and Jalen Duran, 30 to one. I think that's really the only ones that interest me at all. Like Tari Eason at 80 to one caught my eye a little bit, but that seems way too aggressive. Uh, Cole, what, Rookie of the year, let's not even really get into like strategies behind it. I really think it just comes down to who the best rookie is. 
I think that there are three names that really stand out to me here. Who are you thinking in terms of rookie of the year? Uh, without Chet, uh, that that's a huge blow to that. Um, obviously, he's going to miss the season, but I think that it's just really easy to to go with Paulo. Um, even though, like in my, in my mind, I'm like, well, the number one pick never went. I mean, not never, but hasn't won rookie of the year in X amount of years. But like, then you start overcomplicating things. Um, you know, he's going to be in the best position in terms of ball in hand. Um, you know, getting kind of to do whatever he wants. I also like Keegan Murray. Um, he kind of feels like the the Scotty Barnes of last year where, you know, he's on a decent team. Like, are the Kings decent? I think the Kings are decent. They're in a – They're going to be good offensively. Loaded, I know that. They're in a loaded Western Conference, so, like, you may, yeah. may or not see the, the results in the standings. But, like, I'm kind of excited to watch them. I think they have some good players over there and, like – you know, he feels like he can fit in like a Scotty Barnes, like an Evan Mobley, where they kind of just get to play their role, how they, how it needs to be played, not do too much, not be asked to do everything. Um, so I like him as well. Jaden Ivey is another one who kind of fits that bill. Um, but, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I'd feel comfortable not overcomplicating it and just kind of going with, with Paulo, especially since Chet is, is out now. Okay. Trivia time for Cole Huff. Who is the last number one overall pick in their own draft year, the year that they were picked to win Rookie of the Year? Okay. I'm thinking before Ben Simmons was Malcolm Brogdon, I think, and he was was a second rounder. He was a second rounder. (sighs) That's right. As far as I can tell, he was the Jesus. only second rounder in like the recent basketball era, at the very least, to be MVP or to be Rookie of the Year. I'm sorry. That is a really good question because then you start getting into the, the 2014, <laughs> 15. Anthony Bennett didn't win it. Man. Yeah. Uh, you're, you, you need to get. You need to look in the middle of that. Uh, in the middle range. of that, 2016. Yeah. Brogdon and Bennett in the middle. Who went first in 2016? Oh man, I don't want to stall out your. I don't want to stall out the podcast. It's Carl Towns in 2016. Ah, and then also Andrew Wiggins won in 2015. Uh, Did he really? Uh, why didn't I remember yeah. that? First overall picks from 2009 to 2016, it felt like a pretty decent odd that they would win. You know, Tyreek Evans won in 2010. Derek Rose was uh, Derek. Derek Rose went first overall, didn't he? Am I losing my mind? He yeah, did. Derek right? Rose and went then, first and overall. Michael Beasley went right yeah. after him. Not, not yeah. Tyreek Evans. Yeah, Derek. Derek Rose went first overall. My brain broke there for a second. Uh, Derek Rose. Then Blake Griffin won in 2011, even though that wasn't his draft year because he missed the entirety of his first season. Right. Uh, Kyrie Irving in 2011 won Rookie of the Year. Wiggins and Towns 2014-2015. Obviously, Ben Simmons won in 2018 after being drafted in 2016. Uh, and if you look since the Brogdon pick, Luke Doncic, John Morant, Lamelo Ball, Scotty Barnes, all top four picks. So 
recent history indicates that very high picks are the good bet here. Uh, I think Paulo is going to be the best, most effective rookie this year. I am very curious about what his role looks like on some level. Like, will he just get to like run free uh, for Orlando in the way that I skill? I think his skill level dictates just because like summer league Paulo. Yeah, but like, look at their front court. They have Franz Wagner, obviously, who's terrific. They have, uh, you know, Wendell Carter, who's going to get some time. Mo Bamba's obviously going to get some minutes. Otherwise, I can't see why he would have resigned there. Uh, mm-hmm. then you have Paulo. You obviously have just this weird circumstance that is Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac, you know, obviously was extended for 20 plus million dollars a year and then suffered the knee injuries, which were, you know, uh, unfortunate on some level. Uh, Chuma Okiki, like, probably has to at least get minutes it's like this is there a chance paulo plays 25 minutes a night as opposed to 32 a night i, I guess is kind of my question i think that'd be a bad idea and like that doesn't seem logical to me i would say right. paulo should just play 32 minutes a night and you should play your guy you should play him and franz wagner and just let them run free but there is a there there's a log jam there i guess is what i would say uh Keegan Murray doesn't quite have that same logjam, and I think Keegan's going to be very, very effective for Sacramento. I think those are the two. I think those are the two guys that you should stick to in this. I will say, is, is there, well, I'll ask you this. Is there a guy outside of that top group of odds that you point to and you're like, oh, yeah, like I can make a case for this? No. Um, I mean, I guess the other one would be Jay Nivey. But I, I don't think his case would be as good as Paulo or, or Keegan Murray for the reasons that we just we just ran through. But the only guy that really stood out here to me was Ben Matherin. If they move Buddy Heald, Ben has like a pretty real pathway to 30 plus minutes a night. And he's mm-hmm. a high level shooter. There's a chance that like he could average like 17 a game as a rookie just through like having opportunity, I think, and getting fed easy opportunities by Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I, I can see a world where you could make a case for that. And if I was looking for a longer shot rookie of the year, I think Matherin would be my pick. But I, I think that it's probably Paulo at the end. of the day. A lot would have to go right for that to happen. You know, I think I think more would have to go right for that to work than right. Paulo certainly, but then again, like you're getting 10 to one on Ben. Um, yeah, I, I think that Paulo makes more sense. And if I was looking to sprinkle elsewhere, it would probably be uh, Ben Matherin. I, I will say Oshayag Baji just went to a place where there's a lot of playing time and he is older as a 22 year old rookie. I just don't know that he has enough ball handling ability quite yet to be able to put up the numbers that will be required mm-hmm. to win rookie of the year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I mean, I like long term. I like uh, D- Dyson Daniels, but I don't. I yeah. don't think in terms of the award, I, I don't think this would be one that that would fall in his favor. Well, here, here's the other one. Like Jabari Smith is six to one. Jabari Smith was largely talked about not just by myself but many others as being in that top group with chet holmgren and paulo bancaro uh why aren't we discussing him here uh, i guess is my question because because we saw him play in the summer league and we saw yeah. not that he's bad or anything but 
the type of player that he is in comparison to those other guys that we just named in terms of guys who are, you know, going to have the ball in their hands a lot more and have more opportunities. I mean, I, I mean, in a way he, he kind of fits into his role um, similar to how Keegan Murray would like kind of not ask to do too much, just play a role, do it well, be efficient, defend, make some shots, you know? Um, So, I mean, I, now, now that we're talking about it, I, I do feel like we're kind of sliding him. But I think that the the players, the type of players that he's around um, on Houston, I think his opportunities to flourish would be a lot fewer than than the, the guys that we just named. I think that's probably right. I also think that his game doesn't really translate to the traditional definition of the guys who have won this award, it does tend to be guys who can really create with the ball in their hands. And he's not that. And that's okay. Like I love him for it. It's why I was a huge fan of him as a prospect. His ability to play without the ball is really valuable. I just don't know that it's going to translate to this award necessarily. Uh, even though I, I love him in Houston and mm-hmm. I love him as a foil for Jalen Green long term, it's going to be, I think, really effective. Let's. I think that you know. You mentioned Paulo. Do you, do you see Paulo or Keegan is the guy that you would pick here? I I, I go with Paulo. I think I would go with Paulo too. I go at with the Paulo. end of the day, yeah. it's it's like not exciting. I I know we're staying like at the top of the board, uh, but I think that some of these other awards are the ones where you can get really creative and fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, top of the board I think is right on those NBA Sixth Man of the Year, Jordan okay. Poole. Tyler Jordan Poole five to one, Tyler Hero seven to one, Bones Highland fourteen to one, Malcolm Brogdon fourteen to one, Jordan Clarkson eighteen to one, Spencer Dinwiddie twenty to one, Karis Levert twenty to one, Cam Johnson twenty two to one, Anthony Simons twenty five to one, Kevin Love twenty five to one, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kelly Oubre, Christian Wood, and Norman Powell thirty to one, Brandon Clark, Emmanuel Quickly, Bobby Portis thirty five to one, Alex Caruso, Tyus Jones. D'Anthony Melton, 40 to 1, Luke Kennard, Derek White, Kobe White, Montrez Harrell, Buddy Heal, Davion Mitchell, Tim Hardaway Jr., Obi Top, and John Wall, 50 to 1. Uh, there's a name down at the bottom there that's kind of interesting to me, I will say, as again, we talk about variance for me, and this is a team that you follow closely. John Wall at 50 to 1 as the backup point guard who's going to have the ball in his hands for the Clippers. I would assume he probably doesn't start behind Reggie Jackson. That's that's not bad to me, actually. I thought you were, okay. So I thought you were going to lean Norman Powell. Okay, yeah, that's uh, another good one. Like I, I just worry if Norman Powell starts. Like part of it is like trying to figure out who's going to start for the Clippers, right. right? Like, is it Norman Powell or Luke Kennard? Is it um, John Wall or is it you know Reggie Jackson? I would think it's going to be Reggie Jackson, right? But like trying to figure out all of the moving pieces on the Clippers team. Like does, does Robert Covington start, right? Like there are just a number of things to kind of pull Nick Batum, right? Like what does their rotation look like? I don't really know, but I feel like John Wall is going to be the one responsible for getting the second unit involved in a big way. Even if like Norman Powell's numbers, if he doesn't start might end up being a little bit bigger. Uh, it's it's and I think there's going to be a real narrative push for John Wall as well, like Absolutely. after the last couple of years. And I and I think so. It, it probably didn't look as 
attractive last year. Um, but I thought by the end of the Eric Bledsoe second era in in LA, he was pretty good off the bench. Um, he he wasn't good at all in the starting role, like his spacing and and whatnot. But I can I can see John Wall coming in off the bench in a way that Eric Bledsoe did. Obviously, better in my opinion than Eric Bledsoe. Um, where he's just really able to push the pace, a better uh, a better playmaker in the half court, um, probably a little bit better pushing ball in transition. Uh, I think he's a better shooter than Eric Bledsoe, and I think that he'll thrive next to all the shooting that could like if, if he's playing with Luke Kennard, if he's playing with Robert Cover- Covington, uh, Nick Batum, if he's playing in these units that you know space the court and he can kind of get downhill and, and paint and spray. Um, I think that really works. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that even if Reggie Jackson is starting, I don't think he's locked in to like 30 minutes a night like he was last year for obvious reasons, you know, with the Clippers being healthy. Um, but I like that too. And then for those same reasons, I also like Norman Powell. Like the the, the six-man-of-the-year award is traditionally just who gets who gets the most buckets off the bench. Um, you know, you see that Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, Tyler Harrow last year, Jordan Clarkson, like who's just going to come in and get buckets. And I know last year in the very few games that he played with the Clippers, um, Norman Powell, his role is basically coming off the bench and just score. Like score. they didn't, yeah. they didn't really have much else. Um, I mean, Terrence Mann, um, if Luke Kennard was hitting shots, but like he kind of, it was his, it was, it was his show, especially when Paul George was hurt. So uh, I like those two Clippers guys. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, I I really like Norman Powell at thirty to one. I think that's a great call. I, I just wonder if he starts at the end of the yeah. day. It, it, I think it depends on what they, what Ty Lue is trying to do with his rotations. Like we know they're going to finish small, but like yeah. I'd imagine Zubac is going to start, and then you lock in Kawhi and Paul George. Well, are one of them going to play the four, or is that going to be reserved for Covington, Marcus Morris? Nick Batum, right. and then so it just it gets kind of like there's only so many spots for for all those guys. So I'd imagine that I'd imagine John Wall's coming off the bench. Um, I I don't know. I, I think that Norman Powell is too, but uh, a lot a lot left to be seen. There's a lot more time. We'll see what happens in camp and stuff. Um, I, I also have a very long shot looking through the rest of this. Who's that? Uh, T.J. Warren is a hundred to one. Uh, to win sixth man of the year. TJ Warren is going to be playing with Brooklyn this year. Uh, I mean, look, it's in the bubble. TJ Warren. Let's, let's not forget that. TJ Warren in his last full season, averaged 20 a night, uh, only played four games for the Pacers in 2021. Did not play at all last season. If he's healthy, he's only 29 years old. I would hope that the full season got him to where he's like back, but he probably doesn't start for them. Like you're probably thinking that it's going to be Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant in the starting lineup, and then probably a center like a, um, you know, a Dayron Sharp or a Nick Claxton or someone like that. TJ Warren, like definitely coming off the bench, I would think. And there, there is a lot of opportunity for bench buckets on the Brooklyn Nets. A hundred to one TJ Warren. That actually, again, that's like a high variance play where like you might know by November that it's dead, but <laughs> that's not a bad one. No, I mean, 
for for all the reasons you just named. Like if we keep talking about Brooklyn, and I know they were at the the top of the you know the, the topics of conversation this summer, but like if they're good, all these players that they have could be in contention for 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 some kind of award just because they're that good. Yeah. Um. So you like him at a hundred to one. I I like. I mean, I don't think he's going to start the season off healthy, so that kind of hurts. But I think Bogdanovich, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich at thirty to one would be good, especially if if Jante Murray makes Atlanta a little bit better and they're more like the the twenty twenty one version than the twenty twenty two version. I think that or twenty twenty whatever the, the the year that they were good and, and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and then I mean. They have Anthony Simons listed on here, but I think he starts, right? At the two? I would guess that's what Portland does, that they start Simons and Lillard. That yeah. that would make sense to me. Um, and then bring GP2 off the bench. Pro- probably, just as like a change of pace kind yeah. of guy. Um, like you probably start Dame, Simons, Grant, Nurkic. And then maybe Josh Hart, yeah. yeah. Maybe you start three guards. Maybe you do start Gary Payton. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe it's Nasir Little, and you bring Hart and Payton off the bench because Hart can give you just like a little bit of a scoring punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would guess he comes off the bench, or I guess he's starting. I'm sorry, starting at the two, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then the other two that I'm, I'm really looking at, and it's just so hard because we of what we think we know about the award, which is get buckets off the bench. But yeah, last year, Kevin Love was in contention for the award and that's not really his game. There's yeah. like, I still, I still think that there's a seat at the table for guys that aren't just bucket getters that actually impact the game off the bench yeah. in other ways. And I'm looking at uh, Malcolm Brogdon, obviously um, plus 1400. And I like Cameron Johnson as well. Like if Phoenix if Phoenix is, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to be a 61 team, but if they're still really good this year, which they should be, um, I feel like Cameron Johnson is going to start to get more of a role, even though he's already had a really big role. He's going to get more minutes, like in comparison to Jay Crowder, in my opinion, at least he should. And yeah. those are the type of steady winning basketball plays type of players that get it done on both ends of the court that contribute to winning when your stars need to rest. And when, you know, this person goes to the bench and they're able to keep the float because they're doing a little bit of everything. I, I really like those two. It just, I just don't know if, if that's what the award is going to, you know, the winner is is going to be that kind of player. So I'm assu- assuming Kevin Love comes off the bench here, right? Cause they moved Lowry marketing and they played that weird three big, starting lineup last year in large part because Evan Mobley can fly around and guard everyone and feel pretty good about that. I'm assuming they still bring Kevin Love off the bench. Kevin Love mm-hmm. finished second for this award last year. Like Kevin Love is a great bench player and him at 25 to one is like phenomenal. This is why like I'm okay thinking top of the board for rookie of the year and MVP. Whereas like looking more toward the middle of the board and like even the way back end of the board for like six man of the year, most improved like awards like mm-hmm. that. Like you, you can find some weird variance based outcomes here. Uh, uh, 
look like Jordan Poole, I think like has a very real case to win this award. He's in a contract year as well, assuming that they don't sign him to an extension uh, before the season, which I think would be kind of hard for them given what their tax situation would look like if they did do that. Um, Tyler hero. It feels like Tyler hero wants to be a starter. And mm-hmm. like, I, I would think there's a spot open for him between Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. Uh, and, and Max Drews or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Like if he really pushed for that, um, I think bones is like a year away, maybe uh, at 14 to one, like may, maybe not quite this year, uh, but could compete for that award in the future for sure. Brogdon is an interesting one. Brogdon just kind of misses games here and there, which worries yeah. me. Uh Clarkson, I just don't know what that role is going to be because that Utah team, like I don't even know what team he's going to play for. It feels yeah, like I feel like he's going to be somewhere else, and that'll change how we yeah. how we think about him. Yeah, and then like Karis Levert is another one in Cleveland that is really interesting. Like, does Karis start at the three for Cleveland? Do they start Isaac Okoro? Do they start Kevin Love and like continue with the big three mm-hmm. or the three big dudes? Kevin like, Love at the three, I imagine. It, I, but they started Lowry Marketing last year, and I would have said the exact same thing. Larry Markin at the three. Can you imagine? But yeah. they did it. And, and it, it worked, worked too. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, there's, there's just a lot of things here. It's just such a variant award. Like Malik Monk sitting here at a hundred to one. The Kings are going to score. He's going to get open shots for a while. Like, I don't know. There's a world where that is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say TJ Warren at a hundred to one just immediately stood out to me as a variance based play. Um, Kevin Love at 25 to 1 is really interesting to me. Uh, and then Tyus Jones is interesting to me too. Like Tyus Jones at 40 to 1. Tyus Jones was huge for Memphis last year and he will continue to be enormous for them mm-hmm. uh, for as long as John Morant is there. Uh, this is a team that won games in part on the back of having a terrific bench. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson finished third last year in this award. And I will say, like we talk about voting narratives and things like that. You look at what the award, the top three looked like last year, Tyler hero patented bucket getter in terms of what you were saying previously, right? Like that's, that's who he was, Mm -hmm. but Kevin love and cam Johnson are not your traditional sixth man of the year award candidates. So maybe maybe we're starting to see like a bit of a shift in terms of the bucket getter mentality for this award. Maybe. And and I think, I think with those two finishing where they did, I think that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. I mean, it's, it's, it's a risk because of health, but I, I think Boston is going to be really good, obviously. And I think that there's, there's going to be a push for, you know, Malcolm Brogdon coming in and, and sacrificing. And here we go with the narrative again, sacrificing and just wanting to be on a winning team after, you yeah. know, being in Milwaukee, being in Indiana. Um, is, are, are we sure that he's going to come off the bench? I mean, I guess they could start him in smart, but I think he'd probably just come off the bench. Um, I think that he's going to come off the bench for one. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, they, they made the, I, I don't know what happened, but the, the case for Marcus Smart defensive player of the year, went way up way quick last year. Um, maybe maybe that has something to do with how good Boston was in the second half of the year. And if they're that good again, uh, there's no reason to to not think that Malcolm Brogdon won't be a, a big part of it. And plus fourteen hundred, like I'm 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 willing to, to take that bet. I, I do like the uh the two Clippers ones as well. I, I would just think that maybe yeah. um 
they take boats from each other, you know, just with so many of them. Well, maybe not because Montero won when Lou Williams did. So, yeah. You've sold me on the Norman Powell being a little bit better of of a bet there than John Wall, especially given how good he was in those few games for the Clippers. Uh, And just what they told – it was very clear. You're 100% right. They just told him, like, go out there and score. That's what you're good at. That's what you can do. You're a phenomenal scorer. We believe in you. Just go do it. Norman Powell is a really, really good one. I like that one quite a bit as well. Um, Let's go to most improved. Look, I don't think I want to spend a lot of time on this award. It's it's just Mm -hmm. the odds are insane. Uh, every year for this and really like you can get odds on almost like any player that isn't a star uh right now the favorite for this award is anthony edwards at 10 to 1 uh tyrese halliburton 14 to 1 zion williamson 14 to 1 jalen brunson 16 to 1 rj barrett 22 to 1 Cade cunningham 22 to 1 shea gilgis alexander lamello ball anthony simons tyrese maxi 25 to 1 jordan Poole, scotty barnes keldon johnson jalen green colin sexton 30 to 1 DeAndre Ayton and Michael Porter Jr., 35 to 1. Uh, a lot of dudes at 40 and 50 to 1. And then a lot of dudes like way, way out. Uh, is there is there a name that like just stands out to you? I don't even know that like I care about the odds here. Is there just like a guy that you're looking at league wide where you're like, oh yeah, that's an interesting name for most improved? Yeah, and we already we already talked about them briefly, but I really do like Anthony Simons. Like people People were probably they probably missed last year how good he was and how much better yeah. he got in terms of you know with his volume and his three point shooting and just being overall more efficient um, because yeah. Portland was in one of the most obvious tanks ever just sitting out players and whatnot and it's not like they come on TV um, but if he I mean if he is going to start and take on that CJ McCollum role and you know if Damian Lillard is I, I forget the the phrase, the terminology you use, if he's a hundred percent of what he can be or something like that. Right. If, if, he, if he's really good in Portland is better than expected. Um, that's likely because of Dame and then other people are going to play right. well also. And if he's at, I don't, I don't know if he'll get to 17 points per game like he was last year, just because uh, he's going to have an actual team around him this year. Um, but if he's, if he's really good and he's, you know, forms a pseudo, one two punch with Lillard and and they're a decent team. I like that pick a lot. So last year, John Morant won this award. I think that's probably why Anthony Edwards is seen as the favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Dejounte Murray was second. Darius Garland third. Jordan Poole fourth. Desmond Bain fifth. A lot of these guys you saw the breakout late in the previous season, uh, and then people just kind of noticed it the year that it happened mm-hmm. uh, or the year, like the following year, most improved player of the year before Julius Randall, like almost swept the award because he had that crazy, what seems like an outlier second team, all NBA year. Uh, then Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter, Jr. Christian Wood were your two, three, four in 2020. Most improved player went to Brandon Ingram, another very young player, mm-hmm. Bam out of bio. Then Luka Doncic finished third. That's a staggering vote to me. I, I don't. I, I just don't love that this award is like non-definitional in so many ways. I was going to say it's, uh, it's, it's hard to it's hard to know who qualifies for like like Zion is. Can he actually? I mean, he averaged twenty-seven the last time we saw him, and it's not like he had a bad season. Yeah. It was, he was hurt, so like Anthony Edwards. It, it's just it's hard to like you said hard to define the the award and who's 
worthy of winning it because it's just kind of all over the place. Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, none of these names, like, immediately stand out to me, I guess. Uh, Ant's, the, Ant's the obvious one for the reason that you just stated yeah. because of what we saw with, with Ja last year. Like, do you know, one of the most improved players in the NBA last year, I thought, was Jared Allen with Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, just particularly defensively. He And, in, like, even in terms of accolades, like, he went from being – a guy that Brooklyn didn't really like or wanted to start DeAndre Jordan over and like the players in Brooklyn wanted to start DeAndre Jordan over to getting to Cleveland, playing pretty well with Cleveland. And then the next year going from like solid starting center to all-star, like literally made the all-star team. Jared Allen did not get a single vote for most improved player last year. Hmm. Like guys like Max Struess, who I love and called out as a breakout guy last year, uh, Jalen Brunson, you know, Miles Bridges, Tyrese Maxey, Anthony Simons, Robert Williams, like these guys all got votes. I, I just don't know what the, I don't know what the criteria is here, yeah. I guess. And that's what throws me off. Uh, yeah. May, maybe it is just uh, Anthony Edwards or maybe it's, you know, may, maybe it's Mo Bamba sitting here at 250 to one. I don't know. Ooh. Like any anywhere in the middle sounds good to me. Yeah. Anything, uh, anything's a possibility, basically. Yeah, um, Lonzo Ball, I think would have been interesting for this, but Lonzo is going to miss the start of the year. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So I with, with another one, kind of, you know, you, you you talked about how it was very obvious we saw player X come on at the end of the year, the season before. Yeah. And then people started to notice. And when you said that, I immediately thought, okay, Jalen, Jalen Brunson, like he was good for all of last year, but I mean, he had the huge, the huge playoffs, which is probably what got him paid uh, when Luca was out and stuff, even when Luca came back and like, now he's going to have, he's not going to have his own team, but he's going to be in New York. He's going to have a role similar to what he did with, with Dallas ball in his hands, you know, his dad, his dad's on staff. So he's going to get to rock out. Um, Yeah. Is, is that another potential? Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. I, I think that's like a real potential outcome. I think is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like New York market, RJ Barrett, yeah. another one, like feels like I wrote about RJ Barrett being polarizing a little while ago. Like that's another one that's interesting to me. Um, yeah. I, it's a weird, it's a weird award. I, I don't know yeah. that we need to spend more time on it because we <laughs> get the defensive player of the year and this will be the last thing we talk about here. All right. Uh, Rudy Gobert five to one, Bam Adebayo fifteen to two, Robert Williams eight to one, Giannis Antetokounmpo seventeen to two, Draymond Green nine to one, Marcus Smart nine to one, Mikhail Bridges twelve to one, Anthony Davis fourteen to one, Ben Simmons eighteen to one, Joel Embiid eighteen to one, Evan Mobley twenty five to one, Drew Holiday twenty eight to one, Jarrett Allen thirty to one, Jaron Jackson Jr. thirty to one. Remember, Jaron Jackson is out for. Uh, a pretty decent start of the year this mm-hmm. year. That's why he's so low. Miles Turner, Alex Caruso, Matisse Thibel, Scotty Barnes, 40 to one, Herb Jones, 50 to one, uh, Kawhi Leonard, 66 to one, Pat Bev, Al Horford, Mo Bamba, Lou Dort, 80 to one. Uh, there are a few names here that are interesting to me. Who stands out to you? Evan Mobley, um, 25 to one, uh, that's the one. That's the one that really got that's, my. That's eye. the one, right? Because Cleveland's going to be good, and I guess it just depends on how good they are for for him to get those votes. But like, and then I mean, you would hate for 
him and Jared Allen to be competing with one another for that award, but I still think it would, it would probably favor Evan Mobley. Um, continuing on with our with our New York or our, uh, our Brooklyn Nets hype, uh, Ben Simmons because he's maybe the best defender in the NBA. Like when he's locked in and healthy, or at least top three in my opinion. Um, yeah. And that was eighteen to one, I believe. Um, Herb Jones, I don't know if he'll get the award. Um, but like he's unbelievable though, right? Herbin's yeah. unbelievable. Um, and then I, I, I don't even know why I'm going to mention this one, but I don't, I don't think the Bulls will be as good. But like Caruso is also an amazing defender, like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but those are the ones that stood out in terms of like kind of long shot odds, you know, low risk, high reward, good payout. Yeah, I thought Evan Mobley had the best defensive rookie season uh, since Tim Duncan. Like, I think he had a better mm-hmm. defensive rookie season than Anthony Davis did. And that was the last time that, like, someone was anywhere really in that ballpark. Uh, yeah, Evan Mobley is an absolute monster defender. And as he gets older, he's going to get even better in terms of positioning and things. Like, yeah, Evan Mobley at 25 to 1, I think, is wild. That That's one that just, like, is immediate for me. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it's a hard award to win, no question, but the Cavs are going to be good. He has to make up and Jared Allen. They have a real defensive narrative that they can build because Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell are on the perimeter defensively, uh, playing a lot of minutes for them. Like you could see a Rudy Gobert ish narrative being built for Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Maybe they steal votes from one another, but I think that Evan would probably be the guy that would get them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, Drew Holiday like continues to get buzz at the end of every season. It feels like for Defensive Player of the Year uh, because he is probably the best perimeter defender on the ball in the NBA currently. I would say uh, just against guards. Like maybe you'd rather have the switchability of Mikael Bridges. You'd maybe rather have Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, but in terms of like one on one on ball defense against a guard. I think Drew Holiday is the best one in the league. You can get him at 28 to one. That's not bad. I still have a strong sneaking suspicion that if Draymond Green can play a full season, uh, the voters would like, I thought Draymond Green was the best per minute defender in the NBA last year. He just played 46 games. I thought if he would have played the entire season, he would have won defensive player of the year. I think that there will be, a push if he plays a full season at the level he played at last year to give him an award for defensive player of the year, because he, in my opinion, at the very least is the best defensive player of his generation. And he only has one defensive player of the year award. Mm -hmm. So are you, the way, the way that you just described Draymond, I can't help but feel like, I mean, he's the odds-on favorite for a reason. Like, if Minnesota is takes another step, like I feel like it's very clearly yeah. going to be Rudy Gobert getting all the votes. Um, he kind of is like Jokic to the MVP award with the with the DPOI yeah. um, and, and with the advanced stats and, and all that. Um, I don't know if people find him as likable as Nikola Nikola Jokic, um, but yeah, he's a, he's an incredible defender. Um, and Minnesota is also going to be good. I, I'd expect that they're not going to be a playing team this year. 
Maybe I'm wrong yep. for thinking that. Um, no, I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. And he's just going to be just as, as good as he was in, in Utah and in helping anchor those teams. And it's, it's, I feel like it's his, it's going to be his award to lose in my opinion. I think that that's a good take. Um, I think that if you assume Draymond Green is going to miss some time, is Dre just kind of has like throughout the course of the last, you know, X number of years of his career, right? Like the mm-hmm. last time he played 70 games was 2018, right? Um, if you assume that Dre is just going to miss some time here and there, I think that that makes sense. Uh, I also like, I don't know if we get one of the Celtics to win again, unless Robert Williams just like completely obliterates. Yeah. Uh, defensively which is possible like robert williams is phenomenal as well the marcus smart award was weird last year to me i Mm -hmm. I didn't really get that one um to be honest but you know the media voted for him and uh there's clearly some sort of push there Mikhail Bridges like is a really interesting one at 12 to one. There, there are a lot of like really great defenders in the league. I think you're right that Rudy Gobert is like Rudy Gobert should be the favorite coming into mm-hmm. this year. He's consi- he consistently plays a ton of games. He consistently plays a ton of minutes. He's in a new situation. If he makes Minnesota's defense good next to Carl Anthony towns, that's an easy narrative to build. Uh, Rudy Gobert should be the favorite for this award coming into the year. And at five to one, like I don't even think that's bad. No, I don't think yeah. it's a bad number. That's a good value. A yeah. That's, yeah, like the favorite to win the award coming into the year. Um, if Giannis didn't win it, you know, Giannis had a phenomenal year defensively last year. Uh, I know that the Bucks finished like somewhere between like 12th and 15th, I think, in defensive efficiency. But like Giannis had to do so much to even get them there because mm-hmm. Drew missing time, Chris Middleton missing time, Brooke Lopez obviously missing the full season. I thought he was like Herculean defensively last year just like keeping that defense afloat um if he didn't win last year i don't know that we'll get him again for defensive player of the year mm-hmm. where do you fall on anthony davis if anthony davis plays? i was, I, I was just thinking in my head i was going to bring that up to you it, it i mean it depends on what anthony davis would get right because the anthony davis that we saw obviously in New Orleans and the first year in LA was a lot healthier. His body was in a lot better condition. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think if he's, if he's healthy, um, I'm just really, really interested in seeing what type of wear and tear all the injuries have had on him. Like, can he still move laterally um, when he gets switched out on, on wings? Um, can he recover and block shots from, from the weak side? Like, is he the agile Anthony Davis or is he the kind of bulky one who's kind of paint bound and can't move quite as good because of all the injuries. But I mean, it, it, a lot of it depends on how good the Lakers are, which we keep saying. Um, I think that there's going to be a, you know, just knowing that Darvin Ham came from Milwaukee in his style. And I feel like he's going to bring a lot of, you know, Milwaukee's style of play. Um, to LA, and I, w- I always thought it would be interesting, like if Miles Turner ended up there, and he'd be kind of like the Brook Lopez, and you know the, the the defensive anchor, and the you know I mean it's space to court. But um, I, I think that Anthony Davis is going to have a good year. I just don't know if he's going to be healthy enough um, to be in consideration for this award. And that's not saying he won't finish the season healthy, but I think they'll kind of prioritize 
getting him through certain stretches, load management, rest, in-game rest where he's playing 30 minutes here and there. Like, I don't think that even in the L.A. market, I don't think that he'll be in consideration for the award. And that's not to say that he won't be a good, uh, great great defender this year. Yeah. So you mentioned the load management stuff. I don't know if they can afford to do that with him and LeBron. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if they're good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's kind of what my worry is. Like, are they good enough to be able to sit LeBron for 20 games at a time or, or, you know, for 20 games throughout the course of the season, if he doesn't get hurt, yeah. are they good enough to sit Anthony Davis for 17 games, you know, throughout the season? If he's not hurt, the odds are he'll, you know, just frankly, given history, Anthony Davis will probably miss time here and there. But if he would play a full year, I mean, he is he's still a really special defensively like, like he's special he's defensively so good yeah yeah i don't know it's hard that's a hard one for me i think i uh i think you i think you probably are right that it's probably he's probably not going to be healthy enough who, who is who is your favorite here i mean your favorite is rudy gobert obviously at five to one mm-hmm. i actually think i agree with you i think there actually is value on rudy at five to one um who else stands out to you, though? Evan Mobley. I think we both agree on that. Like, I do. I don't. I don't. Twenty-five to one. Like, even if even if the value was like ten to one, you know what I mean? Like, uh, they're they're going to be really good, and he's only going to get better going into year two. Like, it just makes too much sense to like pass up. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I don't think that they're going to give it to a guard again. I think that was kind of random how it ended up with, with Marcus Smart last year, not to say he didn't deserve it or earn it. Um, but typically that, that award goes to, to bigs, um, or forwards, pseudo, you know, Draymond Green types, um, or even, you know, big wings like a Kawhi Leonard or whatnot. Um, I, I, I don't know if, if Herb Jones, sneaks his way in there. I'm sure there'll certainly be a case and a push for him from, you know, the Pelicans and especially because they're going to be good and he's going to be guarding every team's best perimeter player every night. So it'll be a natural kind of throw him in there. But um, I I don't know. I I mean, I guess now that I'm talking about that, I could talk myself into it, but I still think that my, uh, the top of my list would be Rudy, obviously. And then, you know, Evan Mobley. I don't know if there's value on Bam Adebayo, but plus 750 for Bam Adebayo after the defensive season he had last year, where, again, I probably would have had it Draymond Green, then Bam, in terms of like most effective on a permanent basis defensively last year in the NBA. Draymond, for reasons in terms of just leadership and organizing the defense as well Mm -hmm. as his incredible impact, his incredible switchability, his ability to protect the rim a bit. But for Bam, it's, he is like the most switchable defensive big in the NBA. Uh, There are literally stats that will tell you he's the most switchable defensive big in the NBA and the most successful one at that. He switched more often than any big in the NBA last season, if I remember correctly. And he is one of the premier defenders in the league I think having him with similar odds to Robert Williams and, you know, Giannis and Draymond Green and Marcus Smart, I think he should be closer to like the six to one, five to one mark that Mm -hmm. Rudy is. Uh, I think there's value on Bam 
here, to be honest. Uh, Bam, again, like Bam's a guy that does have a bit of a tendency to miss time. Like he missed 10 games. He missed uh, 13 his rookie season. He missed 10 games his third season. He missed eight his fourth season. And then last year he missed uh, 26. And, you know, I think you can get away with playing 70 games, like right around there. But if he plays 75 games, 72 games, it's going to be him and Rudy and all all guys being healthy here. It's probably going to be Bam, Rudy, Draymond, like it is your three, I would think, with maybe. And it might be, yeah, it might be in terms of Bam, it might be like a sneaky, you know, get in before, like, I think, who were we talking about earlier? We were talking about Luca, where it's like 10 games yeah. in, where his odds are never going to be better. You know, like, I just think the overall buzz around Miami is kind of down. Um, yeah. Even with Bam, just because he wasn't great um, in the playoffs, he kind of had some real highs and lows. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, Kyle Lowry getting older and then losing P.J. Tucker. Like, there's just not a lot of buzz around them. But yeah, what we do know about this team is that they're extremely well coached. They have a culture. Um they're gonna. I mean, if they're a if they're a top three team in the East, you know, halfway through the season, like the buzz, the, like his, his odds aren't going to be what are they plus seven fifty? Like yeah. they're going to be lower than that. And yeah, I don't like, know. I just think people are really down on the Heat right now, um, and and that yeah. that kind of I feel like that factors into the way people are are getting their vote or their uh, their bets in for him right now, and that's reflected in the odds. Yeah, I agree. Like, it feels like just because they didn't make any big offseason acquisition, and frankly, they lost PJ Tucker as well. Right. Uh, like, it just feels like everyone else in the East has been louder. Philadelphia has, you know, picked up much more depth, and Cleveland has picked up Donovan Mitchell, and, you know, Boston, Boston just went to the yeah. finals, and everyone loves talking about Boston right now because of that. Atlanta went out and got DeJounte Murray. Um, right. You know, them and Milwaukee, it feels like, are the two. Brooklyn has been, like, the loudest team on the planet, right? Like, mm-hmm. them and Milwaukee, it feels like everyone is just being quiet about, and particularly Miami, it feels like nobody is talking about. Right. Because at least Giannis is playing in Eurobasket right now. Whereas like Miami doesn't have any of that either. And it might be a good thing for Miami that they don't have any of that because yeah. now they get an older team, a full off season of rest, which they haven't had in a few years since they went to the title, uh, since they went to the NBA finals back in 2020. So I don't know that maybe we're all undervaluing Miami a bit here and Bam might be the one. Because Bam is really good. Bam, honestly, I think I've kind of talked myself into Bam a little bit. Half <laughs> one, talking through this right now. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be a bad pick. I mean, they're not his his odds aren't going to be better than this at any yeah. point in the season, in my opinion, because he's really yeah. good. Um, he brings a ton of, of value, not in the odds, but on the court and his switchability, like you pointed out. Miami's always good. Like they're going to be good. Spolster is going to figure it out. Uh, they're going to have some random undrafted players step up and be big. Like they're going to figure it out they'll be just fine. And they're going to be one of the better defensive teams in the league. And bam is going to be a huge reason why obviously Jimmy is too. Um, I feel like he kind of turns it up a little bit more in the playoffs um, than the regular season, but yeah, people, people are, are kind of sleeping on Miami right now. And 
we'll we'll see if they uh, if they get burned for it. I'm kind of trying to wonder if we're like overrating Evan Mobley's chances here a little bit, if only because I'm like trying, I'm running through like who has won this award. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that like the least experienced player to win this award in the last like three decades, it looks like maybe even longer than that. I kind of went through the last like three to four decades is Kawhi won it in his fourth year. Uh, It looks Mm -hmm. like, Ron Artest won it in his fifth year. Um, I think that that's like the youngest. What year was what year was Rudy when he got his first one? Around the same, like Ru- fifth. Yeah, Rudy was year five. He won it okay. in his first, so that would be similar to uh, to Ron Artest winning it. Okay. I mean, Tyson Chandler, I think, was a little bit old. Yeah, Tyson Chandler was year eleven. Uh, Dwight was year five. It looks like as well. So. Okay. So we're putting a lot of stock in a, a second-year player. In, we might in, be in putting too much stock in a second-year player, yeah. Okay. Um, Bam will be in year six. Um, you know, kind of looking through here. Uh, Rudy obviously be a little bit older. I will say, uh, if, we're, if we're looking at, like, the fifth year as, like, the breakout year, uh, I believe Robert Williams will be in his fifth year. Uh, this okay. coming Is he season. already? I, yeah, this will be his fifth, wow. I believe, because he got extended uh, coming into this year. They're coming into last year. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, I believe, also fits the fifth year criteria of breakout swing defenders. Um, Mikhail Bridges is a great defender, too. We didn't really talk about him, but, you know, I want to see what Phoenix looks like. Buzz Buzz is down on Phoenix as well, just like Miami. Buzz is is down on Phoenix for sure, but for different reasons because they were just like an abomination in that last uh, Mavs Mm -hmm. game. Although I still think that they made the right call running it back because that's a great team. yeah, I think that I think that my pick is Bam right now, seven and a half to one. I think I might stay away from Mobley now, just because I've kind of talked myself out of a second year guy winning defensive player mm-hmm. of the year. Like that feels early for him. It's just those odds um, are like, man, you know, they're so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. Drew Holiday at twenty eight to one like piques my interest and then Dre at nine to one. Like I, again, like I think if Dre plays a full season, there will be a push to get the guy who has been the defensive player of the generation, another defensive player of the year award. Mm. I mean, they've won four titles. I think it's impossible to say. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy that he only has one. Yeah. Right. Like I I think he's made the all defense team and in part it's because of injuries Mm -hmm. uh, where like he hasn't been able to win a defensive player of the year award, but he's made the all defense team seven times throughout his career. And I I don't know. I I feel like, I feel like it'd be good to get Draymond Green one more. Maybe that's my own personal biases leaking into the equation. (laughs) I mean, you're right to have those, those biases though. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Are you out on uh, Ben Simmons? Are we? Did we wear out the Brooklyn stuff too much? Uh, I need to see it. Mm-hmm. I, I need to I, look. Like you're right, he might be the best defensive player on planet Earth. I need to see it. I you gotta think. see it. It's been a minute. Yeah. Before we yeah. start, like put it this way: if I was telling you that you had to invest money in Ben Simmons, does that feel like a stable investment? Doesn't seem like <laughs> something I should do. <laughs> Respectfully, I don't know. Respectfully to Ben because we yes. really want him to get through whatever he's getting mm. through uh, right now. But I don't know, man. I don't feel great about it. Cole, 
Tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what you've got going on. You can find my uh, WNBA and my NBA work here at The Athletic. Um, take more of a uh, a sports betting approach. By the way, everybody, please, please, please continue. I mean, if you're listening to this, you might already, but continue to watch the WNBA. Super good finals right now. Yeah. Um, either Connecticut or Las Vegas is going to win their first uh, WNBA championship in franchise history. So be be a part of that. Witness that. Uh, playing some good basketball. Um, you can find also more uh, sports betting work at Bet for the Win. Um, and then my local coverage for the Las Vegas Aces, who I mentioned are in the finals at Franchise Sports Media, and the, the Los Angeles Clippers um, at 213 Hoops. And there'll be more content there as the season. Uh, training camp is like a month away or something like that. So get ready to see some more content. And, uh, yeah, and then you can find me on Twitter at, at Cole Hoops. And, yeah, catch me on podcast, uh, game theory, Whatever. You, you you can usually find me somewhere talking some basketball and talking some sports. Um, but yeah, at Cole Hoops is my Twitter handle. And yeah, that's what I got. I love it. Uh, Cole is one of my favorite people to have on because he has a really fun perspective on all of this. And he uses that perspective well. Like you get a lot of former players and they aren't willing to talk about gambling and they're not willing to talk about this and that. And Cole's the best. Like I, I really just love having him on the show. And I'm um, a, a former professional, right? You are a former professional basketball player. That go. is the important thing. I'm embracing it. <laughs> you have to keep reminding people if if good friend of the program, Mark Titus, has gotten as much uh, string out of being a walk-on at Ohio State, you need to get as much string as you can out of being a former professional basketball player. I can player. flex that's that a little goal. bit. All right. Yeah. All right. That's your goal. It, yeah. it just needs to start becoming a bit like – just start joking around about it. Like, you know, as a former professional basketball player, because you don't take it as seriously as some pros do, which is great, mm. but you need to just start like making jokes about it and like being, uh, that, that'll be, just be we are a bit every time I come on here. Yeah. We'll a little, well, as a, as a professional basketball player, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just start like talking about like Kevin Durant and you being able to do like what Kevin Durant does on the basketball exactly. court. <laughs> exactly. Some pickup games when I'm 80% of myself and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it right there. When, uh, well, that's a good question. When was the last time that you played pickup and just like wrecked someone? Like an actual pickup game five on five. I have not played since it's been over a year, like maybe the end of 2020. I've, I've definitely gone yeah. and like gone to the park and messed around and shot and worked out and stuff, but actually getting up and down five on five been a while. Well, I might not be a former professional basketball player next time I go out there on the court. I might be uh, <laughs> I might be a guy at 24-hour fitness, you know. Oh, my god. It won't goodness. take long, though. It won't take long. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how long does it take you to get that back? I think at this point, it's probably more just the body, like, takes longer yeah. to, like, recover and get into it. But, like, the shooting and, like, the IQ and all that stuff, that doesn't really leave you ever. Like, that's pretty – it's like riding a bike. But the body is that's a totally different thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. As many people oh. know, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh as people get old. And by the way, you're like twenty-eight, right? I'm twenty-eight, like yeah. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight with a bunch of knee surgeries. So it's a little bit different. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're twenty-eight with a bunch of knee surgeries. Uh Cole, it's been good to have you on the show. Uh this is Game Theory Podcast. We will be back later this week uh with the great 
fun, enjoyable two-part episode that we run every year with Robbie Calland, where we do NBA win total over-unders. It is one of my favorite podcasts of the year. We're recording it later this week. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, And you'll get that later this week into early next week. But until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.